how are you doing? Oh, wow. I don't get the kind of welcome everywhere I go. <laughs> I'm doing great. Um, I'm, I want to hear about your trip. I was in Japan last week, which in of itself, just going to Japan for a week, given it's a 15-hour flight and a 14-hour time difference to Tokyo, is pretty remarkable. I find, I don't know about you, the first four hours on the plane are actually slightly relaxing. I can take a nap. I can read a book. I might watch a movie. You eat something. And then you say, all right, now what? The next 11 hours are tough. And then you got to get through customs. But fantastic trip. Local discussions about how we bring our product-led growth initiative in particular to life in Japan. In so much of that conversation, building off the kinds of things we've been talking about is about how well do we know our audiences and how do we use our data and how do we move in agile ways and how do we get experimental? So all in all, a fantastic trip. And next is Bucharest. I'm going out to Romania in a couple of weeks. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love that you're back on the road. I also imagine that the team was thrilled to welcome you in person, right? Because I, if I'm, if I recollect, you haven't been out to Japan since pre-pandemic. Is that is that right, Ari? That's right. And I am more popular now than I was. <laughs> it's I'm welcome to these locations. Yeah. They're excited to see me. And there's a lot of energy. And just being together, it wasn't just that I came. We actually brought the team from around the region together and had a really detailed conversation. A lot of what we're doing is what we're calling this methodology of campaign teardown, which sounds kind of aggressive, but it almost needs to be, where we get the creative material all up on the wall with the performance data, with clarity of the outcome we're trying to drive. And we stand back and we look at it and say, does this work get to this outcome? And I can tell you, I've done a bunch of them around the world. The answer is inevitably no. <laughs> it's not a criticism. It's just a recognition that if we don't take that perspective once in a while, of course, the work gets disconnected from the outcome. Yeah, no. Uh, we actually had a conversation about this uh, internally when we were talking about how, and you know, using, of course, all of the work you're doing as an example. And it was like, okay, great. I can optimize that banner for maximum click-through. And then I can like optimize this landing page, but like, and then I can optimize the next part of the journey or, but it's like, how are we not thinking vertically, but how are we thinking horizontally and how are we optimizing that outcome from awareness all the way through to loyalty or advocacy for the brand? Right. And I know we're starting now with this idea of like MQL to SQL to actually engaged customer. And then how many products are you engaged on? Right. But we're starting somewhere and we're optimizing somewhere. And that's awesome to hear. What's amazing about it is getting back into the detail of the work. And there's lots of press I see of other companies about whether you return to the office or not. And I happen to think being together makes a difference. But what's really clear in this workshop kind of setting is getting physically 
together and having creative up on the wall and looking at it through a performance lens is like nothing else we were able to do during the previous period. So the three principles I tell the team when I show up about these campaign teardowns are one, let's clarify and all agree on the outcome, which seems so simple. But what tends to happen is this almost, we stray a little bit on the outcomes. Everyone says, we know the outcome for Turbonomic is an IBM product. Yeah, we know the outcome. But what's the outcome? Well, we're going to sell more. Yeah, but what's the precise outcome? And it turns out when you get to a level of precision, the teams are in different places. So walking away from a workshop to say the outcome is 1,905 new demo requests. That's an outcome you can rally around. So that's one. Two is once you know the outcome, work it end to end. You can't have a good website and a good media strategy and a good sales enablement plan independent of each other. You might be brilliant at them independently, but it's not a good plan then. So working them horizontally, so all of them are in service of the outcome. And then the third element, which I think you'll appreciate, is relentless attention to detail. And more than anything else, I thought the Japan team, maybe there's something cultural, really appreciated that idea that with this clarity and this collaboration, every word matters. Um, can I give you an example? Please. I'll give you a test. Because they asked the team in a campaign, this is our Maximo campaign. So programmatic banner ad, eight or 10 words on it. And here are two versions. One says, prepare, repair, and help predict disruptions with IBM Maximo. Explore now, right? Perfectly reasonable ad. Second one says, unplanned downtime reduced 43% with IBM Maximo. Start trial. I don't know which one's better. <laughs> I don't know which one's going to perform. The difference between them, though, ends up being 3x, 200% better performance because the eight words ended up mattering. And so everywhere I'm going, every team I'm sitting with, we're getting to this level of detail. Every one of the eight words matters to the tune of 200%. And by the way, these are teams that would rip me limb to limb to get 200% more media dollars from me. <laughs> when I say you can have something better than the dollars, you can have the eight words. Um, you got to get to a culture where that's appreciated. And that's part of the journey. Wow. I love it. I love it. Okay. Can you, can I guess which one performed better? Please. The second one. And what's your thinking? Okay. My thinking is that you have a stat. And so I think like it's the words plus the stat. That's my hypothesis. I'm with you and you're right. And I'm looking at the engagement rates now. And to give you a frame of reference, the first one is 3.26% engagement through the ad to the page. And the second with the stat that you're predicting is 12.5. So it's really more like 4X. I was saying 3X. I am always in a state of shock that it matters that much. I have to remind myself. And if it matters that much for those eight words, what about your webpage? What about your email subject line? What about the banner at your booth at an event? Like When we talk about relentless attention to detail, which I do think my colleagues in Japan say, yep, yeah, we get that. We're planners, we're workers. 
Get into that level of detail when it's in the context of the campaign. You're going to see some new wonderful performance coming out of IBM because we're getting to that level of detail. I am so, so thrilled to hear that. And I'm I'm thrilled that the whole team was fired up to do it. And uh, yeah, and that's actually a perfect segue into kind of what we're talking about today. Wow, look at us go on this long intro this this afternoon. So um, Ari, for you to recollect, we were talking about the scoreboard yes. and we were talking about uh, data and, you know, this idea of maybe, why don't you take a moment and set it up? Tell, tell me, tell me that Super Bowl story. Yeah, this came out of a conversation about data a couple of weeks ago. And among other things, I'd said, well, I have a pet peeve that is quite specific to someone, probably an, an analytics data science job role. But it's a common refrain in the work I do where someone says, we need a source of truth. What is the source of truth? And on the one hand, I get it. To a concrete question, there's got to be a single answer. We can't argue, for instance, about how many web visits we had last week. But you can't say, well, am I... Google Analytics says this, but Adobe Analytics says that. There's got to be one answer in a company. So it's not to dismiss that it's an important foundational idea. Why it's a pet peeve for me is once you start getting into conversations about sources of truth, you've made the questions inevitably so small that they're operationally important, but strategically uninteresting. So for instance, if I say, you had 400 web visits last week, truth. But your question was, how's my web experience for the user? I, I come back and say 400. And you say, that's not helpful. I asked how my experience was. 400 is not an answer to that question. That idea of when we think about data and scoreboards, that if the only thing we can ever answer is the final score, the Super Bowl, Kansas City wins on a light field goal. It doesn't tell us truth at a deeper level. It gives us an answer to the immediate question, but everything that matters to me in getting to business outcomes, I don't think there's this single, simple, objective source of truth. And if you approach data that way, this is why it's a pet peeve for me. You make data that small, then it becomes a reporting tool, necessary, but not transformative. I have such an optimistic such a big, bold view of what data and analytics can do for us that I don't want it to be small. I don't want it to be scoreboard keeping. And that was what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So I'm going to summarize here that, you know, it's, it's the scoreboard gives you the score, but it doesn't say why one team won and one team lost. And if you don't understand that why, it's not possible to create predictive go forward results. And so today, this week, I had an opportunity to see this awesome WPP slide on all of the different types of data that we have. And here's like use cases for oh, nice. the entire set of data at WPP, 
creative ideation, media management, marketing effectiveness, and measuring the journey, branding, customer experience. And one of the things we talked about was this idea of like, what is the purpose of data? And the purpose of data is to like understand something so we can create predictive go forward results based off of the future actions that we're going to take. Right. And I think that for me gets to the heart of the question that you were asking, which is like, why does one team win and why does one team lose? So what are the insights that we can actually drive? So like seeing a dashboard is really great, but understanding what, what is moving those numbers is where the value is. I I'm doing a meeting with our senior leaders next week where I'm going to take them through how you can use data in more mature, more aspirational, more transformative ways. And so what you just described is perfect. And I may need to steal your slide at some point. But it's not to diminish the importance of the report or the dashboard. I think that kind of data, that kind of descriptive data is incredibly important for framing questions. In our Super Bowl example, we need to know who won the game to ask the next set of questions. All right, so we know the score, we know who won it. The interesting why questions also use data, but they use them in different ways. And when you get into that way of using data, there's not this one objective source of truth where I can just filter. It's an engagement with data where you're asking questions to the data and the data is almost asking you questions back. And it's why I'm so fond, as you well know, of experimentation because the way of engaging with the best data is not to go query a database. It's to put real experiences into the market. And those experiences create data. So you just enrich so much the possibilities when you move from reporting and scoreboards. They have their role. They frame the question for us. And then we ask the really good why questions. And I don't want the world to get to a place where data solves the first scoreboarding and then it's all qualitative. I want both of those to intermingle the best of both. It's why I like hanging out with you and talking about, from my perspective, coming from a data science background, from your experience, thinking about user experience, don't they blend and work together? Yeah, and and so it's like, you know, ultimately what we wanna do is we want to help our brands and our business grow. And we know that uh, in the B2B world that we're operating, there is a buy flow that is digital and physical, that is experiential, right? It's, it's not just about getting the email, but it's also about exploring a page and learning more and maybe opting into a trial or you know, attending an event. And so it's like, we're here to help our brands and business grow. We're here to understand our customers' unmet needs and showcase the way our different products and services come together to meet those needs. We know we have like a complex ecosystem to, to, to drive customer acquisition and customer engagement. So it's like, and we have tons of data, right? Like we have so much data. And then it's like, it's like, okay, 
as as a, I'm thinking of these these other business and brand leaders out there, these other uh, customer experience people who are who are trying to drive outcomes, who are, you know, it's like okay, well, one of the principles that you and I both have is this idea that like a question well posed is half the answer. So knowing the right question to ask is kind of half the battle. And it's like, how do we ask better questions? How do we get more context? How do we get a sense of the underlying assumptions? Uh, How do we think more horizontally and less vertically? Um, Because ultimately the, the objective here is 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 growth and and customer engagement and and helping to meet our customers' needs. I have two examples as you're describing that that come to mind, and they both come out of that idea that I've always thought the key to good analytics is asking good questions. And even when I recruit, you could have a PhD in stats who's a brilliant person. In the interview process, I'm actually more interested in how they frame questions. And I think ultimately that matters more because some of the other stuff is easier to teach. It's the mechanics. The people who have that inherent curiosity are hard to find. But one really simple example that we were just talking about, that Maximo ad that has the stat in it, 43%, that you immediately say that's better. I know in our company will be so literal that if I put that out there for the teams, They'll say, ah, so the truth is you quote stats and ads. And every ad for the next three years will say 43% something. And so when you get into that mindset, there's an absolute truth, as opposed to what you said is, but there's a specificity to it that's appealing to an audience. Ah, well, there are lots of ways to be specific, like a specific case study doesn't have a stat, but could work that way. The second example which I've mentioned to you before, but I want to get your reaction to is I was sharing some performance data with one of our geography teams. We have a set of events that were not converting well. So people were coming to the event, but only about 6% of the people coming to that kind of event were converting to opportunities and wins. It's a really low number for us and we need to be getting more out of it. The first reaction when we put that number up in front of the geography team was, Actually, it wasn't one question. It was a series of questions. Could you analyze it this way? Could you analyze it that way? Could you cut it that way? And it's sort of back to that idea that the data's got the answer, right? If you could just cut it enough ways. I stopped the conversation and said, there's only one data point we're going to work off of today. We have 6% conversion. I suspect the rest of the answer, let's go look at the experience. And so you popped into my mind at that point. It's not that I don't want to come back to the data and cut it different ways. but at least in our culture, the tendency is to almost abuse the data, to say, well, the data, if I hit it hard enough, it's going to give up the answer, as opposed to saying, did anyone actually go to the event and walk through the user experience? And when are we going to do that relative to knowing it only converted 6%? Like, how much do I want to take that apart? Yeah, I love that. And, you know, to build on that, it's this idea of like, a one-dimensional understanding versus perhaps a four-dimensional understanding, right? And so how do we start to take into account, you know, uh, place and experience and um, 
you know, where you are coming from and where you're going next and, uh, and the mindset that you're in. Right. So it's like, it's like marrying, uh, something that might be one dimensional with like other pieces that start to provide more of a 360 kind of understanding. We did something with your team this week that I didn't realize was new and different, but we were looking at some of the media of creative programmatic banners and native ads and things like that. And of course the team on the product side does that all the time. They go through the ads. I like this one. I don't like this one. And the media team and the analytics team goes through the performance of ads and say, well, this one's performing, this one's didn't. There was a slide in this deck that just put the creative ad with the data on the same page. And it seemed obvious. I'm flipping through and say, yeah, of course. Yeah, so that's the ad, that's the performing. This is the web page it's driving to. And apparently, I'm told that's not how this data gets presented normally. Normally, one team looks at the creative and that's on a page, and another team looks at the performance. Your multi-dimensionality idea is interesting because just adding one dimension, the data and the creative on the same page, I I got the most positive reaction of the week from the team saying, oh, wow, we never looked at it this way before. Does that count yeah. for two dimensions I, at least? I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I think it also goes to this idea of like, you know, uh, you know, I say data, you know what I'm talking about. I say data somewhere else, other people walk away with like an implicit understanding based off of where they're coming from and what they've been exposed to. And so it's like, what is my job here as it relates to like being like a teacher, a guide, a mentor to provide more of a holistic perspective on what do I mean when I say that? And then number two, how am I adjusting the process of working that starts to integrate and bring together what has historically been viewed as disparate competencies or different silos of thinking, right? And I think the best example is what you're doing with product-led growth and some of the work streams where you're looking at things horizontally and you're looking at ho things horizontally as it relates to the journey. And you're starting now, sounds like, to also think about it horizontally as it relates to the different team makeups, right? That's that's PLG. That's your PLG initiative where you're throwing all these people in a squad and saying, enjoy working together. Uh, and it's awesome to see like some of that output is, you know, this more integrated readouts um, that are putting together the competencies. It's a good description. How do you approach it when you, if you're engaging a client or within WPP and you're starting more from an experience perspective? Is there the opposite? I, I'm starting with data. And so I have to pull in the experience. Do you have to balance that in some ways? Or how do you find the best practices work? I guess it depends on what we're doing. But as it relates to um, marketing effectiveness and brand demand, you know, the role of data shifts at different stages. So in the in the outset, it's like, it's like, you know, with let's create the campaign from IBM or anything else, right? The platform from IBM. It's this idea of like, okay, what are the insights that we can drive based off of all of the different things we understand from the data, qualitative and quantitative? And how are we getting to some freak facts that are like really like culturally relevant, business relevant, you know, very high leverage points 
that we could solve through some sort of big idea uh, that would permeate not only from a brand perspective, but all the way through to demand. Um, and then how are we connecting that from a marketing effectiveness perspective through that you know, customer journey, which is no longer linear and ping pongs everywhere like a pinball machine, right? Like how are we actually measuring that from our, our media spend, paid owned and earned, right? All the way through to you know, customer engagement and then you know, repeat purchase or you know, a long-term retained customer that is an advocate for the brand. Um, and, and data has a place to play in all of that, right? All the way from that insights, all the way through to like the measurement, all the way through to, um, and I think that that the other side of it here is where we're thinking too, is about the innovation we can drive for our new products and services, for our new experiences. Um, that's a little bit of how we're thinking about it. And I think when we show up well, we're showing up as we call it here at Ogilvy, working at the intersections of our businesses, because we have lots of different specialists, right? We're organized in four businesses with different specialties. We are finding the most success, like you're finding on product-led growth, when we're operating at the intersections of bringing together brand and advertising and experience and PR and you know, media acquisition and thinking about it in that really integrated way. I like that a lot. The intersection makes sense to me. Of all the things you said, which I has my wheel spinning and I'm thinking about, the piece I'm going to take away immediately is the expression freak facts. <laughs> IBMers, I'm going to be coming to you next week to say, where are my freak facts? I don't want these little sources of truth on a scoreboard. I want freak facts. Yeah, and and shout up, uh, shout out to Liz and Mick, uh, who Mick's our chief strategy officer, and Liz is our, our our global chief creative officer. Uh, Mick, global uh, chief, they're they're the ones that are that are using those words, and I'm borrowing from them. But it is it is wonderful, and it is what we need to do. So, um, Ari, I am thrilled that you are not lost in translation, but you are back from Japan, connecting the dots across the world of of data and insights um, and really thinking about it through the lens of like how to drive that business growth. And always such a pleasure to catch up, my friend. Fun to catch up, good to see you. And I'll see you next week again. See you soon.